welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello and welcome back to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. You're tuning in to episode 208 of the show. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm so thrilled to be with you, bringing you another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Today my guest is Diana Collins. Diana is an Extraordinary Mom who has been through a lot. Today we're talking about postpartum depression and postpartum mental illness. After losing a dear friend to this disease, following her own experience postpartum, she also recognized postpartum anxiety in her own life after having her second child. It was a really challenging, challenging time for Diana. So we're going to talk about that experience, what her symptoms looked like, how she felt when she went through that with her friend. And I have also lost a friend to postpartum mental health issues. And it is, it is real. And nobody is immune from these types of things. We've talked about it on the show before, but it's been a while. So I wanted to resurface this topic and talk with Diana about her experience, what she has learned from it, and how she wants to help other people now. So let's get to it with Diana Collins. All right. I want to welcome Diana to the show today. Hey, Diana. Hi. How good are morning. You? Where am I speaking to you from today? I am from Las Vegas, Nevada, and it is... Actually, about getting ready to rain over here. So. Oh, okay. It's raining here in Southern <laughs> California as well. That's very yes. welcome after this hot spell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's a lot of my friends. I have a lot of friends from the East Coast, and they're like, what are you wearing? I'm like, I'm wearing a long sleeve. They're like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, they're like in parkas and bundled and can't yeah, even go outside. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy right now, this weather. Well, I am really thrilled that you reached out to me um, to share a little bit more about your story. And today we're going to talk about postpartum mental health issues, um, both your experience with some people that were very close to you and yourself as well. And I've dealt with it to some degree. And so I think this will be a really validating, inspiring conversation that this can affect anybody. It's not just a certain type of mom. It doesn't look the same for every mom. I think that's really important that we're going to cover. Um, but I just, I love your willingness to be open about this. So will you just give people a little background on who you are and then we'll dive into to our topic today. Yeah. Well, I mean, as just said, my name is Diana Collins and I am a mom of two little ladies. They are 16 months apart my oldest just turned three, and my youngest is one and a half, so we're very, very busy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've been married to my best friend for five years now, and we've been together for ten, almost, no, just kidding, <laughs> eight years. <laughs> Time <laughs> flies it, when you're having fun, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe it's been that long. I can't believe he's stayed with me for that long, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we live here in Las Vegas, and Life back in 2016 changed completely um, when I lost my best friend to postpartum depression. So yeah, and yeah. I'm so so sorry for that loss. I can relate to some degree having a friend go through the same thing. And yeah. tell me about early motherhood for you with your first daughter, and tell me about connecting with your friends and your community, and and even talking about your best friend. 
Yes, of course. So with my first, she she was planned. I, I that sounds so awful because <laughs> obviously my second wasn't. Um, so everything was like okay. We're gonna start trying. We're got I got the calendar and everything. Let's go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. You know, I found out I was pregnant the day of my, I think I was 23, no, 24th birthday. And I was excited, you know, um, just the norm, you know, the, whatever you read from, what's that book? What to expect when you're expecting. Yeah, uh-huh. That's what I expected, right? And, well, that's not what I got. <laughs> hmm. um, throughout the whole pregnancy, I was working full time, just a desk job that I'd done for uh, almost a decade. And I worked with doctors, so a lot of them were like, aren't you afraid you're going to have a C-section because you're so tidy? And I'm like, it's not going to happen to me. Like, that's, you know, that's out of the ordinary. No. (laughs) And so I had my surprise C-section, an emergency C-section with her. And I think the biggest part with that was it just shocked me. So I was in severe shock for months because I've never had a major surgery like that. I've never been cut open um, other than my teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of mom guilt. I had like what um, I felt a lot of my body failed me. I felt like maybe I made the wrong decisions as when I was in the in, in labor. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. So that really affected me with my first. Um, but eventually I try to work on myself and try to forgive myself and accept the fact that this is just what happened and I have to move on. Um, and fortunately I had my best friend who, who's no longer here. She was there with me through the journey. And um, at the same time, she was also going through a premature birth. And so we were kind of, it was a, it was a strange season for us. She was going through her second child and who was born like 29 weeks Mm. and so she was going through that emotionally and I couldn't relate but I was scared for her because you know I just had a baby too um so I don't know it was a weird weird season but everything went back to normal I went back to work and that was that but then I found out I was pregnant again (laughs) after my first one was born or no after my first was nine months old I found out I was pregnant again which was a blessing and a surprise, <laughs> but, um, she, that one took me for a whirlwind, um, because I was in the middle of transitioning careers from a secretary at the hospital to a preschool teacher. And so I took a pay cut and a lot of my emotions, I think led to my depression. Mm. Um, so being pregnant at the preschool, I was like, I can't handle this. I can't carry these 10 pounder babies, maybe 20 pounder babies. And so I quit and I, I went back to a desk job. And then that was when I found out that my best friend, um, it was a year after she had her premature baby and she took her life. Um, so Mm. I apologize for anybody who has triggers. Yeah. No, but, but it's important to to hear that you're not the only one who's been been through this. And when people yeah. don't talk about it and honor their life and their name and their motherhood, it's it's forgotten. And that's not what anybody would want. Um, 
And so for your friend, you were close to her. Did you know what she was going through for that year? I mean, having a premature baby, doing the NICU, all of yes. all of that, that is a lot. That is heavy. And I don't know what the stats are as far as if you're more likely to have these types of issues, you know, with premature babies or those kind of circumstantial pressures. But um, what did you see from her? And would you have thought it would have come to this? I think... <clears throat> When it came to postpartum depression, because it didn't hit me until after her loss, and, you know, it was that, like, it's not going to happen, like, postpartum depression. It wasn't the fact that it wasn't real to me, but it was the fact that it was rare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, as you know, it's very much the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, she was very quiet when it came to her depression, so I had no idea. Mm-hmm. She put on a very, very good mask. And unfortunately, two months prior to her death, she cut off ties with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried messaging her. I thought I just thought that she was just busy with family because we all are. She's a mom. But I messaged her, no return phone call, nothing. And, and then all of a sudden, I get a message that she's no longer here. Oh. And uh, that turned my world upside down, which which led me to hear where I'm at now, but we'll get great into that yeah. um, later. <laughs> and so, so you yeah. had, yeah, you had your daughter who was still very young, you were pregnant mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you get that news. And I can only imagine, you know, the, I could have done more, the guilt, yes, the, yes. why didn't I know this things? And I, that's a very common thing. Not that you probably could have done a single thing different. And even if you know that cognitively, emotionally, you want to think there's always more that you could have done or you should be doing, right? I yes. mean, we're just wired oh that way. Every day. <laughs> I know, I know. And so how did you reconcile that? Oh, a lot of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what I'm doing now has helped me tremendously. So after her death, I fell into depression because I had um, I had my baby a month after her funeral. So that I don't know. For me, they talk about we talk about traumatic births, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, looking back, I don't remember having any feelings because here I am in labor, and then thinking about three weeks before, I was at a funeral mm-hmm. to say goodbye to my best friend at the age of twenty-six. Nothing made sense, um, and I, I wanted to say that I was, of course, I was happy to see my daughter, of course, but I was like, let's get this over with. Mm. kind of attitude you know um let's just get out of here I want this over and done you know I I have no feelings right now so of course I fell into PPD um and then after that life just got very hectic um being a mom of two very young littles and working full-time being away from home it was it was wearing on me and then also grieving the loss so unfortunately I became severely suicidal I know I ended up in the hospital and that was when I told my husband I looked him straight in the eye and I said I have to quit my job because it is life or death Mm. um so after that I started my own podcast called always with me and I started like just like you Jessica just started sharing listening to stories of moms and realizing that holy moly I am not alone in this darkness Um, 
it was just one day I asked in a Facebook group of moms and saying, hey, I'm starting a show. Who would like to be on? And the amount of people was just overwhelming. Yeah. Because there's really not a platform for people talking yeah. about what they consider a deep, dark secret. If you only knew type moment. Because on the outside, you're sp- you have a new baby. You're supposed to feel happy. You're supposed to feel joy. You know, all of those things. So when you're looking at your baby and you're like, I like I don't even want to keep going. Like, right. and then you think, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Right? It's awful. It it's is. like you said, and you see on all the TV shows or in reality shows, like you're supposed to be glowing, and I wasn't. And skinny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I was like, is that's this, another. Is that's this? a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kept looking at that belly flap, and like, ladies, I still have it. It's been almost two years, and I'm like. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm it's okay a, with it. It's okay. I've birthed two children. I just exactly. saw I just saw the movie The Greatest Showman. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <gasps> oh, you need to see this. It is so good. But they have this like trapeze scene and this young, very agile actress Zandea is just flying through the air and I was at the beach a couple days ago and I saw like one of the rings out on the beach that she would like fly through the earth. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to mimic it. And I, mind you, I've had three children and uh, I'm not in t- tip top physical shape right this second. And I f- go to like hoist my legs up and it's just like nothing moved. Nothing. I couldn't even like get any momentum. And so, yeah, it, it adjusting physically, ad- adjusting mentally, all of it, and then feeling like you're doing it alone. And so when you just posted on a Facebook page, you know, who else is going through this? And do you want to share? And do you want to talk? I'm sure you had people lining up. And what oh were pe- what were people telling you? Well, first of all, I don't recommend this, but I recorded 30 episodes in 30 days. Oh, wow. I, they were just telling me how exactly what I was feeling. You know, how they didn't bond with their child right away or how they felt overwhelmed. And I was like, I was shocked. I was flabbergasted to know that I, so I'm not, so this, this feeling is actually normal. Like Mm -hmm. it's okay to feel this way. And it was just groundbreaking. It, It led me to my healing. And that year, 2017, I spent the whole year healing myself. Mm. Um, therapy, medications, and I'm still on medications and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I took a lot of, I felt like this podcast that I started had built my tribe. Mm. Um, and I've made a lot of, a lot of friends through it. A lot of friends that I've never met in person, but, but yeah, I just, I heard so many different stories and stories of moms who have lost their children, um, infant loss, pregnancy loss, even just older children, you know, and mm-hmm. I guess what I'm starting to say is that you may think that you have it worse now than anybody else, but there is always someone out there who has it worse. Mm. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> I do. And it's not invalidating to think like, oh, like my problems aren't as big as somebody else's. Yeah. But it is so so helpful at least to me it has been to see somebody further along in the journey than me to mm-hmm. see oh you are where I was and you are thriving you are smiling yeah. genuinely you are bonded with your children you know whatever those things are that you feel like in the thick of it you are missing and you may yeah. not there may not be a light for you at the end of that tunnel 
believing somebody else who's been there. Because in the thick of it, you can't really believe the lies that are perpetuating and cycling through your own mind. That is the sickness. That's the sickness talking. It's not Mm -hmm. real. It's real. It's there. But it is not true. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so you were suicidal. And here you are living after that. I have never been to those depths and it is hard for me to fathom what that would be like to live a year after that, realizing what if it had worked? Yeah. That's kind of a hard thing to talk about, but can you kind of put into words reflecting on a year ago, just about now, right? Yeah. What, Mm -hmm. what if it had worked? What do you think of that? You know, it's funny that you asked that because, well, (laughs) it's not funny but it's interesting that you asked that because I was just having the same conversation to another mom who's become a best friend of mine and I've never met her in person Mm. um she'd been through the same thing she was severely suicidal and had to quit her job just like I did and we looked we talked to each other and said what if it worked what if we succeeded Mm. and which brought up to the topic of us you know creating a documentary someday for our foundation which I'll get into that later, (laughs) but, um, we thought we wanted to share the stories of how we've been through that deep darkness and I call it my demons. My demons almost took my life multiple times. They've won, they've almost won multiple times. And today I can stand up saying that I'm, I'm better than who I was a year ago, better who I was 10 years ago. I'm a person, I found my identity in all of this. You know, I was able to, oddly enough, get out of that darkness and pull out that insane positivity and authenticness. Authenticness, is that a word? Authenticity, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and create a life for myself. Like, yeah. I am, I'm now staying home. It's been a year. It's been hard, you know, walking away from a full-time income, Um but I was able to build a business for myself. I was able to build a, a nonprofit for moms who um, who suffer with postpartum depression or at or at risk of. Mm-hmm. And you know, our goal is to donate postpartum doulas to these mm. moms. And so that's where I'm at now. And yeah, it's powerful. It you know, is. I, I could all of this wouldn't be here if if I had succeeded. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and think. Yeah. Think of. The people that are hearing your voice that would not have. Think of people that are receiving the doulas that would not have received that support and whose lives and trajectories are impacted because of that. We each have a purpose on this earth, and it's really not up to us to decide when that ends. Yep, and I feel absolutely. great sympathy and sadness and compassion for those whose lives do end this way um, because I feel like they're not in their right mind, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so it's really not them acting on it. It's the demons acting on it and, and that, and that sickness. um. I've accepted the fact that I have major depressive disorder Mm -hmm. and I am on medications, but that doesn't define me. And the funny thing is when people said that doesn't define you, Diana, it used to make me angry. I'm like, well, this is who I am. And this is what I've been diagnosed with. But I look at it in a different light now. And what they mean by that is, yes, I may have this diagnosis, but I don't have to die from it. 
Mm-hmm. So, and so during your hardest days, were there people that did or said anything that was helpful in the thick of it? Were you really open with people and how did you kind of put light into your life surrounding that, that chapter? Yeah. In the thick of it, it was, I was very quiet. I was a lot like Sabrina. Um, I didn't, I was a lot like her in a way, but then a little bit trying to tell people that I'm struggling. Mm. Um, well, it's hard to like bring up at a like a breakfast or on a walk yeah. with a friend. Like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Well, actually, I want to run my car into a telephone pole. Exactly. Yeah, like, it's kind it's, of a hard segue. Like, oh, what what do you say? You know. Right. So, how did you do that? How did you open up? Online. I've done a lot of reading. I've done a lot. I did a lot of podcast listening, and and for me, it just took me to realize that I'm not alone. So it's things that you do, Jessica, and things that, you know, other podcasts, podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> um, things like this is helping people's lives. It's helping these moms and shining that light for them. Mm. Um, because hearing that voice and hearing the vulnerability is just, it, it's life-changing. Absolutely. It's life-saving. <laughs> it is. It is. And for you, doing it in the form of a very broad audience for your podcast versus someone just going on a walk with someone they trust and mm-hmm. and sharing openly what they're going through, it's all the same, really. It doesn't matter how big your audience is. It matters that you feel comfortable and able to be vulnerable even with the things that are bringing you shame currently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if a mom, if a mom literally says, how are you doing? Really? She really is concerned and Mm -hmm. she really means, how are you doing? Really? She wants to know. Yeah. So don't be afraid to tell her, you know? Yeah. And when you were admitted to the hospital, what are some of the things that they worked on immediately in the really dire days? What are the things that really helped propel you out of that? Yeah. So fortunately I was in the hospital, but they did not admit me um, Mm -hmm. because I was able to get out of that suicidal mindset um, because with my illness, I hate I say it that way, but every time I'm in that dark place, thank God I'm able to find my way out Mm. and not stay in that dark place. So it's kind of like, you know, walking through a bedroom, one door in, and then you get get out the other door out. Mm. So that's how I describe it for me. Um, but it was, and I don't mean to deter anyone away from being admitted if they feel like they need to, but for me, it was scary. Um, and I wish that the hospitals would change their way, but I felt like I was a rat in a cage. Mm -hmm. That sounds awful, but they pretty much just locked me up in a room and a room full of just metal walls and gave me Ambien and said, and told me to go to sleep. Hmm. So all I had, and I tell this to every time I describe this part of my story, all I had was me and God. They took away my phone. They took away all of my belongings and my husband wasn't allowed to come see me. And I wasn't allowed to see my children. Um, so I was terrifying because I'm like, I've never been to prison before, but I feel like I'm in prison. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had God. And I sat there and I looked at God and I said, this can't be it. Like this, there's something more. There's something that has to change. 
And that was when I realized, that's it. I'm quitting my job. I have to do this. Hmm. So that was when it all started. And you knew you had to quit your job because it would give you more time to focus on healing. You wanted to quit your job because it was stressful. How is that the answer you came to? Because for people that may be searching for, I don't know how to get myself out of this. I don't know what the next step is. For you, it was quitting your job. How did you know that? That was, it was my way of healing. I needed time to heal. I noticed that with, with Sabrina passing away and then having my second born, I didn't have time to grieve. And I feel like we all, I know maybe all of us don't have that luxury to just walk up and quit their job. Mm. But when you're grieving, you need that time. You need, you can't just walk away from it. It's there. And that's how Sabrina's losing Sabrina has taught me that I had not only her loss to heal from, but I had a whole buttload, excuse me, (laughs) of pain and suffering and depression because I've had depression when I was a child. It just went undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. I had to heal from that that I'm still healing from. Um, And quitting my job was the only way that I knew how to spend time and sit at home all alone and just focus on healing, mm-hmm. listening to podcasts, meditating, going to therapy. I mean, I tried going to therapy when I was working full time. And not that my boss was like, you know, where are you? She was very understanding. But, you know, at the same time, it doesn't look good when I'm just at work a few hours a day. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, um, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that is a really brave move that you made to be like, if I'm going to continue on, I need to make this drastic change. And the thing is, when we think about the changes we need to make in life, sometimes we view it like, I'm quitting my job forever. I Everything's going to needs to change, you know, and it feels so grand and so overwhelming. Like, well, I can't quit my job. But like, what if you quit your job for three months? What if you left your job and focused on you and your healing for six months? What would that look like? What if you hired a personal trainer for six months to get yourself on track. Whatever it is that's feeling like it's eating you away, what if you made a change for just a short period of time to see how that impacts you? Because you can do anything for a season. It's when you think it's forever that it feels like the weight of the world. Am I right? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yes. And Mm -hmm. the plan, I mean, my original plan was to be out of work for, like, six months to a year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I thought, okay, well – you know, but the thing was, is that I had so much baggage that I had to heal from. And then I also found the power of writing this whole nonprofit, this whole uh, podcast. I was like, I can actually, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Mm. Like I found, I found my calling and my passion through walking away from my desk job and spending time on my, me. Because yeah. when, when do us moms, when do us anybody have time to find our identity? Right. I mean, yeah. everyone's like, oh, go find your passion. And I'm like, it's kind of hard when you're just going in circles 24-7. Right. So. Yeah, you're <laughs> so right. It, you can kind of fall into an identity if you don't seek it out. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And and you only get one chance at this life. And if you want to make the most of it, it is in your best interest, especially as young as possible to really look at what matters most to you and then live that out. I was just filling out some paperwork um, that was kind of introspective work that was like, you know, what what things are holding you back right now and what are you doing that is facilitating those things that are holding you back? And 
And sure enough, I'm doing and I'm choosing some behaviors and some habits that are, are inhibiting me from doing the things that I value. What the yeah. heck? Like, <laughs> I should be smarter than that. But we all do that when we are just on the hamster wheel. Absolutely. And so, um, and, and so what – you started the podcast and you stepped out and you – got bold and you did that and what has that done for your confidence for your healing for for everything for your life yeah well oh my gosh first of all I never thought I'd be a podcaster I was in school to be a teacher Mm -hmm. or a nurse Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I look back this past year I mean this this new year has been very an interesting season for me just looking back at everything um I realized that I'm capable of something. (laughs) I realized that I'm actually intelligent and I've found a lot of self-confidence in myself because I had a childhood where I was never told that I was good at anything. It was more like you suck at everything. And so that really affected me. But I've, my husband tells me all the time, he's like, Diana, you, I, you're, he's like, you're a podcast producer um, for multiple shows, you run a nonprofit, like you're making money on your own terms and you're able to be the mom that you want to be. I'm able to be the wife that I want to be. And I just never, I've always thought that I'd be the one behind a desk, not my desk that I paid for, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but somebody else's desk and making them money on their terms. Um, I just never, this is a life that I never imagined, and I always feel that Sabrina guided me here. Mm. Um, I bet so I'm always, I'm always thankful for her. Yeah. I, I've lost her, but I know that she shined a light on something I never knew I had. Mm. So. You're so lucky to have had oh. that friendship. And, but yeah. to, and then to use it for good, though. You know, you could have just stayed sad and stayed um, grieving and and wrestled with why, you know, but to really use that as a catalyst for self-improvement and for improvement for so many others as well, looking outside yourselves. Look at you, Diana. It is, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful circle. (laughs) It is, it is. Way to go. Way to go. That is incredible. And so your podcast is called What Again? Oh, yeah. So it's always with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find it at alwayswithme.org. Like I said, I'm, I'm trying to get regular on a regular schedule again. Um, I have a few friends that have decided to help me for free. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. It but, is. Um, we've been helping along with the podcast. We started our nonprofit. We have an online support group. Um, you can find all that on our website. But I built a tribe mm-hmm. and whenever I'm feeling down and Jessica, you're welcome to check it out as well. But whenever I'm feeling down, I will post a question like today sucks. And I, you know, I call it the all aboard the mommy guilt train <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like all aboard, you know, because that's where I'm at. And a lot of the moms on there will just support you. Either send you a funny gif <laughs> or they'll, you know, send you what they're going through and, and what I love the most is that, you know, here in Vegas or here near any local town, you could already reach so far. But when you're on the internet, there's actually real people out there like you and I. And, you know, of course, you always have to be cautious 
of the internet, but there are real people behind that computer looking for love and compassion and vulnerability and authenticity. Mm. And that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. And like you said before, you know, it might be hard to segue into a conversation in person with somebody, but if when you're yes. able to connect with other people in a format where you already know there's like-minded people who can can validate where you are and give you resources and support and everything, typing it out sometimes is a great place to start. Not that you should you know, always avoid those in-person conversations because that is really important as well. But when you're alone in your house, when it is dark in your room, when you are feeling like, I don't know if I want to keep going, reach out to someone, even if it's someone you don't know. Yeah. Who gets it, right? What do you want people to know about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, any of the mental health issues that women face, um, what do you want people to know? The signs. I think okay. the biggest thing is the signs. So there's baby blues, which I think they say 80% of us will go through that. And it's, you know, that not extreme sadness, but, you know, the random crying. Um, what is it? Just the emotions. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, your hormones are just going from yay high to you know, mm-hmm. after you've given birth, um, that usually stays with you for about two weeks, but it's, it's after that, anything after that. So severe sadness, severe anxiety, not feeling like you're, you know, if you're noticing that you're sleeping a lot more, that's a sign of depression as well. Um, I know for me, I, I remember going to my doctor and saying, I must have something cause I can't stop sleeping. And, uh, she said, that's because you're depressed. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, I, I feel fine. You know, I'm not sleeping intentionally to hide from my problems, but apparently there's something in you. There's some kind of chemical when you're depressed that just makes you exhausted mm. and thinking about it now. Well, yeah, cause your brain is going, you know, a hundred miles per hour. Of course you're exhausted. Mm. I mean, it's called the mental load, um, is what I've heard is. The mom mental load. I mean, that's for anybody. Um, yeah. But just know that when you are feeling these things, you're not alone. And you can get help. And you can't get through this. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, you don't always have to... You don't always have to live in sadness. Mm. Like, we'll, I, I'm going to have my dark days. But I'm also going to strive for my amazing days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That. And knowing what those things are that can help you to pull out of it. So whether it's a walk, you know, when you wake up feeling that fog yeah. being like, I know a walk helps me mm-hmm. and you may not yeah. feel like going on a walk, but if you know it will help you, you will do it. Eating certain types of foods and avoiding other types of foods, drinking water, yeah. just scheduling a play date, even if you don't feel like going, you know, getting out and, and realizing what are those things that can really facilitate you um, to, to pull out of it, even when you're not really feeling it, but you know it yeah. can be a benefit. And I heard somebody um, that was so, so smart. So while they were still pregnant, they scheduled a therapy appointment for about three weeks postpartum, wow. and they just put it on the calendar. Because after you have a baby, all the days blend together. You don't know which way is up. You're you're good getting <laughs> yeah. into your well-child checkups, and you know it's it's a lot. But if you already plan on after three weeks, I'm going in to do a check-in. You know there will be somebody 
professional asking you the right questions that will be able to really identify the state that you're in, especially if you're predisposed to mental illness. I cannot recommend yes. that enough. Absolutely. Right? Oh my gosh, and, that is yeah. genius. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, and it's so simple, and it's so simple. And there's a lot of insurance companies that pay, you know, for yeah. a limited number of therapy sessions. There's different counseling and support groups and online forums, so it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Some of them do. Exactly, yes. But, yeah. But I'm and sure. I, get, I get that a lot where, oh, I don't have insurance or I don't have money, and but there's other ways. Like, there's support groups out there. Yeah. Um, postpartum Support International Mm-hmm. If you guys are, you know, interested in looking on that, they have support local support groups across the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's very important. Just reach out. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how you as mentioned, you know, go out for a walk or go exercise. And I get a lot of moms who like, I hate it when they say that because, you mm-hmm. know, it's not that easy. Right. It's not, it's not bad. If, if you don't like walking, I don't like walking. Yeah. Read a book. <laughs> so, yeah. Clearly that's not going to help me. Right. Right. But for me, it's driving. I love to drive. Okay. Um, and then I also like to just listen to music. Mm. I like to sit in a calm place, sometimes in a dark place. And just listen to music and be inspired by music. Um, so find what keeps you centered. Mm-hmm. Um, last night, I was I was kind of off. I was in this weird mood. So I meditated, and then I also was coloring. So while I had my headphones on with guided meditations, I was coloring. And I did that for an hour. Mm. Oh, my gosh, the change in just me. And my mood was powerful. Mm. So simple things like that. You don't don't take our word. Yes. Like every yeah. you know every other thing. Oh, she says to exercise. She has to do this. You know, find what you love. And that's all that we're saying. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Painting my nails feels like therapy <laughs> to me. You know, like you're exactly right. Finding whatever it is that does work for you, and thinking of those things ahead of time. Because when you're in the thick of it, it is hard to find the resources. It's hard to put that on your calendar. It's hard to think of the positive things that could pull you out because you just think nothing's going to work. So so those preventative steps, when you are in a good space, being like, oh, coloring and meditating is really working for me. Oh, painting my nails is working for me. Reading a book is working for me. Like write those things, keep a list so that you can refer back to it when you don't want to expend that much energy on trying to make yourself feel better because we get that it's not – as simple as that, but it's a start. It's a start. It's a start. I mean, it's hard to think that any life's challenges are, are something that you would want in your life. And it's hard to Mm -hmm. think that you would ever wish the experiences that you've had with your friend. It is hard to believe that this could ever be of benefit to your life. But Diana, what has this experience of the past year of your journey of self-awareness and healing, how are you a different person today? And what has that done for you as a person and as a mom? Oh, Oh, I am way more empathetic than I ever used to be. Even if I see a mom a mile away, I could tell, you know, I sit there and I think about, I wonder what struggles or I wonder what joy she's got going on, you know, or even sometimes my husband thinks I'm weird for doing this, but sometimes we're driving around and I'll look at a house and they have their living room light on and I'm thinking, you know, I wonder what they're going through right now. 
Um, are they going through a hard time or are they going through a great time right now? Are they celebrating something? Mm. And it's that, that that's something that Sabrina had always had. She, we say that she was strong for all of us, but she was never strong for herself. Mm. Um, but she always had empathy. And that's something that I never thought I could have. And it's, it's a hard gift to learn. Yeah. I mean, I wish Sabrina was here every day, Yeah. but then I look and I thought if she was still here, would I be doing all of this? Mm. Would I have ever changed? Mm. So Amazing. I mean, I don't, I may not know the answer to that, but yeah. you know, we look at it that way and You're I might still be the old, same old office girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for the people listening, they don't have to experience a loss like that. They could hear your story and say, yeah. well, what am I doing today? What what could I be doing differently to move myself in a more positive direction and to capitalize on my passions and what I am good at and what I know? How can I share that with the world? You can do that today. It doesn't. You don't have to wait until something rocks your world to start. I don't need a big home. I don't need a fancy Ferrari. It's just, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love what I do. And that's, to me, that's success. Yeah. And we can so. hear that. We can hear that smile and Thanks. just that, that passion. I love that so much. So tell everybody where they can find you online, your podcast, yeah. everything. So you can find us at alwayswithme.org. Um, all of our podcasts and our blog, a little bit of our blog and our website, um, no Facebook group and things like that are on there. Um, if you're looking for our Facebook group, it's called Mommy, Mommy Tribe with Always With Me. And in case anyone's wondering, Always With Me comes from, I remember sitting at my desk one day and thinking about, you know, I wanted to get a necklace, that's what I wanted, and that, or a tattoo for Sabrina, and I thought, she's always going to be with me. Mm-hmm. And that's how it came about, and I thought, I'm always going to be with these moms, supporting them through this whole journey. So that's where that comes from. <laughs> I love that. They, no one is alone. No one is alone mm-hmm. in this life. We're all in this together. I love that. Yeah. Well, Diana, this has been such a great conversation. I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? <sighs> that it's going to be okay. And that everything that you read on the internet you don't have to do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you do the best that you know. Do the best that you think is what's best for your family. And because, you know, if your kid's on a binky, my kid was on a binky until she was almost three years old. <sighs> it's okay. And she's okay. She yeah, survived. I was able to get her out of it. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's okay. You're not a bad mom. Believe Mm -hmm. me, if the dishes are piling up, the laundries are piling up, it doesn't mean that you're a bad mom. And that's something that I would have told my pre-motherhood self. I love that. Diana, thank you for your courage and sharing your story. Thank you for sharing about your best friend, Sabrina, that we can honor her life today through what you are doing to impact so, so many people. I'm so glad to know you, Diana. Way to go. You're an extraordinary mom. Thank you, honey. Thanks for having me. Oh, have a great day. You too. I want to thank Diana for coming on the show today, for being so brave and vulnerable and sharing her story, for sharing about her dear friend who was not so lucky to make it out the other side of this mental illness. 
It is a real, real thing. And it is critical that we know the warning signs ahead of time. So when you're in the thick of it, you can identify it for what it is and get the help you need. I loved what Diana talked about in her podcast, interviewing women who wanted to share their stories. If this is a road that you have walked of mental health issues postpartum, or just any time in your life, really, perhaps that podcast would be of benefit to you. So you can check out anything that we talked about in today's show, including where to find her show on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram and you want to do that, you can do that at JessicaDahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this show today. I love it when you are sharing the show with your friends who might benefit. It just means so much and that is the best way to support the show by sharing and by leaving reviews on iTunes. I'm really excited for this Friday's episode. The title is Why I Will Never Like to Exercise. And if you have followed me on Instagram, at Jessica Dahlquist 3, you will know that over the last month or so, I've been kind of on this renewed fitness journey. I've had an ups and downs relationship with, with fitness and health over the last, you know, well, really my whole life, but especially the last 10 years, especially since having babies and things like that. So I want to share with you my fitness journey, the roadblocks that I faced, and why I will never like work out. You'll have to see what I mean by that by tuning in to Friday's episode. I hope it'll be helpful and encouraging to you. So whether you are a fitness guru or you are struggling to get back on the horse, this is going to be a great episode for you. So I hope you'll tune into that. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today. You guys are the very, very best. We'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.